Welcome to the Consumed Church Weekly Podcast. Thank you for joining us. We hope you enjoy this message, A Surrendered Life by Pastor Matthew Pallant. For any further information about this message or the ministries of Consumed Church, check us out at theconsumedchurch.com. fun to be free. You know, we have a plan. We have a message. And oftentimes the Lord likes to just say, hey, will you be obedient? Will you surrender? You know, one time I was in, um, many times, but this one time when I was in Uganda, I was preaching a message and we always prayed for the sick after, at the end of our messages. And during worship, the Lord was speaking to me and he asked me to pray. I said, well, that's not what we normally do. This is our format. So I just went ahead with the format. <laughs> well, I get about halfway through my message, and it's just flat. And I realize I'm just pushing through in my own strength, being disobedient. So I stop. And I pray for this man. And he did not get healed, which I don't understand. He was in a wheelchair. I think he had cerebral malaria, uh, really bad situation. Just all the muscles, joints were all locked up. And, and I looked at him, I said, Lord, I really don't know if I have faith for that right now. (laughs) And he says, will you be obedient? So it's about obedience. And will we, um, surrender our plans? Will we allow the father to speak to us and change our direction in the middle of what we think we're supposed to be doing. So when I say the word surrender, what comes to mind? I want this to be interactive. I want everybody's involvement and engagement. So yell it out. What comes to your mind when when you hear the word surrender? Surrender. (laughs) Let it go. Trust. What are you saying, Candice? Dog rolls over, lays down. Those are all correct. Anybody else? Give up, relationship, Liz? Cry uncle? Somebody in the back? No self-defense. No self-defense. Somebody on this side. It's been quiet on this side. Say it again. No surrender. Somebody over here? Humility? Okay. So... You know, for me, I see like a white flag, giving up, a sense of defeat, losing hope. And really, that's what most people, I think, called out during that word, surrender. This message is not going to be deep in Greek and Hebrew, but it's, a, it, it's his word, and it's a double-edged sword, and it's as deep as you allow it to be, okay? Or it's as deep as you allow it to cut. So today's message is titled, A Surrendered Life, A Life of Victory. And now this sounds like an anomaly. (laughs) Surrender and victory in the same sentence. But oftentimes, the ways of the kingdom are anomalies. Right? Some people say it's an upside-down kingdom. I just think uh, sin made it upside-down and we're making it right as we bring heaven to earth. So let's look at what does surrender mean. A definition is to yield to the power, control, or possession of another upon compulsion or demand. 
Another definition is to yield to the power of another. Our greatest example of a powerful man surrendering is in Luke 22. So let's look at that, 39 through 45. This is the King James Version. Coming out, he went to the Mount of Olives as he was accustomed, and his disciples also followed him. When he came to the place, he said to them, Pray that you may not enter into temptation. And he was withdrawn from them about a stone's throw, and he knelt down and prayed, saying, Father, if it is your will, take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Then an angel appeared to him from heaven, strengthening him, and being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. Then his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground. When he rose up from prayer and had come to his disciples, he found them sleeping from sorrow. Father, if it is your will, take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. That's the key verse here. And this, I feel like, is something I talk about most times I get the opportunity to speak. But knowing the will of God is the key. Knowing the will of God, I believe that it is our job to discern and to know the will of God in most, if not all, situations. You know, if, if not, what are we doing? If we just step out and do something, and it's not the will of God, what are we doing? We're stepping into dangerous territory. Now, I'm not saying whether to go to the grocery store, whether to go to Kroger, H-E-B, whether to go to Tom Thumb, or, you know, no. But what is the will of God for your life? How are we going to be effective? How are we going to be um, precise if we don't know the will of God? See, here, and let me say this, I don't believe a good, a good way to pray is, Lord, if it's your will, shut this door. You know, as children of God, because the enemy can shut doors, as children of God, it's our job to know and to hear the will of God. It's our job to know that. It, it there's mercy, there's grace, right? But if all we're doing is living our life, throwing out fleeces and, and seeing what works and what doesn't, um, that's, I, I don't believe that's going to be a very effective life. Because there is opposition, and it doesn't mean that God's shutting a door. There's opposition because there are powers that be that do not want you to step into the plan and will of God. When I moved here, so I had been living in Mexico, just had my first child. My daughter was born in Mexico, and we believed the Lord was speaking to us about a season of transition, told us to come be a part of Catch the Fire DFW. It's, oh, somewhere around September, October of 2018, uh, 2017, and uh Many things lined up. Many funny things happened. God really did some things. And uh, long story short, we, we prayed. We heard from God. We, got, we went to Toronto, went through the school of ministry, got a full, full release from God to step into a, a season of transition and to move here to catch the fire DFW, all of that. We come up here. We have a meeting with um, previous leaders we have 
a meeting with some of our financial supporters. They previously had told us that we could live with them rent-free for a year, and then we would, you know, talk about some other arrangements, all these things. Well, we come up here to kind of finalize the plan, get confirmation, yes, this is it, this is what God's doing. We gave our word to a couple people that this is what God said, this is what we're doing. We leave that meeting, we go back to the house that we were staying at, where some, which were some of our financial supporters, and had offered to let us live with them for a year, rent-free, and we get back, we're supposed to leave that day, they slide a contract in front of us, totally change everything, that, you know, what was going to be free is now, you know, X amount, all these things, just changed and with all these parameters and all these hoops and all these, we're just like totally caught off guard, like, what is this? Really shaken. Um, at that point, we were missionaries, you know, our rent down in Mexico was like 250 or $300 a month for a nice two-bedroom house. Um, that was the type of budget we were used to, and now coming up to DFW with no jobs, etc. Um, you know, rent's a little bit more than that here. And uh, so we're, you know, but we know we have a word from God. Well, then we get in the car. Uh, back a part of that story was we had just come back from Florida, and we were spending a few days here before going back to Mexico. While we were in Florida, we got all our. Christmas gifts, our daughter, our firstborn, you know, got all these gifts from family down there and baby shower gifts for people that couldn't make it to the baby shower, all this stuff. So we're driving down and my wife wants to stop in San Antonio and I'm, I'm a point A to point B, kind of don't stop and smell the flowers, just we're driving. But I'm trying to change. I'm a father now. I want to be, you know, go with the flow and it's, it's whatever it is, eight or ten hours in the car for a newborn. That's hard. Wife's like, well, we've never been to San Antonio. We've drove past it dozens of times. Let's walk around Riverwalk. So I, I listen to her, and I park the car, and I back up. So if somebody breaks in, they can't open the, the hatch and get in, you know, do all the things. And long story short, we go for a walk, and when we come back an hour later, everything is gone. Four 52-pound luggages, two MacBook Pros, everything. I mean, if you robbed my house, I, I would have lost less than half of that um, at that time. Everything we owned, everything you can imagine was in that car. We lost everything. Titles to vehicles, I mean, just everything. And, I, you know, whatever, figure it out. Start looking for somebody to replace a window because we can't drive down to Mexico with a broken window, with glass flying, with a newborn in the back seat. All these things, get everything fixed, get going, head down to Mexico. I call my mom. I love you, mom, if you're watching. I'm not picking on you. Um, I call my mom and she says, well, maybe God's trying to tell you not to move to Fort Worth. They really wanted us in Florida. And, and, I, and just out of my spirit, it came out of me, no. My father does not speak the language of lying, stealing, killing, and destroying. That's not the language of, no, the devil is mad that we're getting ready to step into purpose and step into destiny, and he's trying to scare us and hinder us from walking into our purpose. But now, if I didn't know, if I didn't have my mind made up what the will of the father was, 
any of those circumstances could have easily deterred me. I had some really good offers. My parents have two condos on the beach, not on the beach, but on the ocean in Stewart, Florida, which is just north of West Palm Beach. They said, just come and give me my granddaughter. You can live here rent free. We'll buy you vehicles. We'll get you set up. We'll get you started. Okay, I mean, that's really tempting when you're coming out of, out of an active war zone in Mexico under martial law, listening to machine gun fire almost every day. But my wife and I have made up our hearts that we will do the will of God no matter what the cost. And that is how we've lived our lives. So all of that to say that we must know, I do believe it is our responsibility to know the will of God. So along with the will of God in surrender, biblically... Biblically, it means for a believer to completely give up his own will and to subject his thoughts, ideas, and deeds to the will and teachings of God the Father. So while we, and here we see it, what Jesus did. He say, it's clear, right? If, if it's your will, take this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. And Jesus needs to be our ultimate example that, that, that the reality is a lot of our own flesh, a lot of our own we have a will outside of the Father's will in our natural self. Can anybody see that in our own life, right? There's things, there's things that I would rather do on certain days than do, being responsible, right? It's a nice weather day. I know some of the guys here like to go fishing, but they got to put down their will to go fishing and show up and go to work or come to church or, you know, whatever the case is. We, we, there's, that's very light levels, but we have a will outside of the Father's will and we must learn how to surrender, okay? So I'm going to make a bold statement here, and it's going to get bolder, but Jesus is king. Jesus is king. He really is king. And if I call myself a son of God, then surrender and submission are my way of life. You see, a lot of people want to make him their Lord and Savior, but they really don't want to submit to his kingship to his rulership, right? He's not going to rule over us. He's not going to make us do things. But if we, in our growth and in our maturity, we've, I think we've learned that his ways are much better than our ways, even when we don't see or know or understand. But Jesus really is king. He really is king. I think we need to say that. Say, Jesus is king. Jesus is king. Now, let's make it personal. Jesus is my king. You see, this is a way to live in victory, a surrendered life, a life of victory. It's truly making Jesus the king of our lives. It doesn't matter what we think is good. It doesn't matter what we think it looks like. He sees the end from the beginning. He knows how it's all going to work and turn out. Pastor John and Alan have been helping us to shift our religious teaching and doctrines of times past, and helping us to really see and understand kingdom theology. There's been a shift taking place. And in that, kingdom theology is understanding that he really is king. He really is on the throne. And we need to shift our position and our heart to understanding that he's a king and we're the priests. So surrendering, surrendering our will and living as if he is king is our, is our responsibility. We need to surrender our will and live 
as he if, as if he is truly king. This is great news. It really is great news. You guys are really quiet, but it really is great news. The fact that he's king is great news. You know, when I lived as if I thought I was king, I got in a lot of trouble. I hurt a lot of people. I made a lot of costly decisions. And it's the mercy of God that uh, I didn't kill myself or somebody else, honestly, in those days. Don't let the S word scare you. He is on the throne and we are seated with him in heavenly places and have, com have been commissioned to bring heaven to earth. The S words I'm talking about are surrender and submit. A lot of people have been hurt in the body of Christ because of those words. I'm one of them. But it doesn't make them bad words. It actually makes them Bible words and kingdom words, right? Just because people have used them to abuse other people, to take advantage of other people, to control and manipulate people, does not mean the words are bad. It just means that the devil knows the power of a surrendered life and a life submitted to the Father, so he tries to muddy the water so the body of Christ won't surrender and won't submit and actually runs lawlessly and gets defeated or constantly goes around the mountain. <laughs> if Jesus is Lord, it means you're not. If Jesus is Lord, that means that you're not. Why do we live as if we are? Why do we wake up every day as if we're going to do our plan and our thing and just invite God maybe to get in on what we're already doing? As if that's better. It's quiet. Listen, I, how many of you are tired of fighting and losing battles? I am. <laughs> I am. I saw one hand, one humble hand in the back takes humility to admit these things. Listen, if, if Jesus is our Lord, we surrender and submit to his plan. So what does this look like on an elementary level? Father, I just pray right now for healing in the hearts of our people, Lord. Father, anybody that has been hurt abused, manipulated, controlled by spiritual leaders or natural leaders because of submission, surrender, being controlled and manipulated to do the will of another man. Holy Spirit, we just release you to go forth and bring healing in that area right now. I ask for new levels of healing in my heart, Father. In Jesus' name. So I'm going to pause here for a minute just to allow the Holy Spirit to work because I'm sensing some, some walls. And so I was in a ministry. I've shared some of this before. But back in 2008, 2009 is, is when I went into this discipleship ministry that 
was, you know, probably resembled after the shepherding movement. There was a man of God, and you did what the man of God said. You don't ever question authority, because that's always rebellion. You're not late. You're either on time or you're early, or you're doing push-ups. I'm telling you, this is stuff I've experienced. This is stuff that I went through. And I was in that for five or six years, and it goes on beyond that. Recently, my wife, so my, my wife came into that through me and um, some other friends and different things, and my wife's best friend did too. And my wife had a dream a couple weeks ago, maybe a month or two ago, about her friend and sent her an email because she hasn't talked to her because, you know, once you leave that type of group, you're blacklisted, you're the enemy, you're shut off, blocked, all that. So this is her best friend. Um, she sent her an email, just, I love you, I miss you, I had this dream, blah, blah, blah. Well, the head of that ministry, who we haven't had any contact with since we left in 2013, so 10 years, sends my wife an email back. I haven't read it yet. Um, it's been about a month. I've just been too busy and had time last night after I finished the message. I said, I'm not opening this before I, before I preach on Sunday. Not doing that. But, but the whole thing is going off on how we're out of the will of God. All these things. Deep stuff from what my wife said. Um, so I understand the hurt and the pain. But let me tell you this. I've had two spiritual fathers in my life. One of them is Norm, who did a, a prophetic Zoom. I talked to him Friday. We're still in very much contact. Every couple days, every week, we're on the phone for a couple hours. And Norm came into my life uh, about a month or so. It was actually Father's Day 2013. It was a, it was a month or so after I left that other ministry and Norm brought healing in areas that I didn't know were hurt from that previous ministry. And I've walked with Norm over the last 10 plus years. And he has been an amazing leader. He's been an amazing father. The complete opposite. Sometimes I think he's a little too free in sending. Um, but very gracious, very loving, very merciful full of love, and brought a lot of healing and restoration to my heart. In this most recent season, I've seen our senior pastor, John, shift from just being my pastor, but being a spiritual father in my life. And the things that I've seen take place in this last season, and I even told Norm this Friday, and, and, <laughs> and Norm says, yeah, he's stepping into spiritual fatherhood. He's shifting into the apostolic of equipping, empowering, and sending. And, and what I'm saying is, although these words have been used and, and people have been abused and manipulated by them, there actually are amazing leaders that have a heart, have the heart of the Father to Father. And, and our pastor, our senior pastor John, has, has been that to me in this last season. And I've began seeing fruit of the healing that has been taking place in my heart from wounds that I had from my natural father that are being healed and restored. And I'm stepping out and doing things that I would never have done if it wasn't for 
walking with him and working with him in the proximity that I have the ability to. Again, those words I understand because I've just felt all the walls come up around the room that many have been hurt by those things. And I'm sorry, I have been too. If you want to talk, we have Freedom Ministry, Plug for Freedom Ministry. You know, we have an amazing team of elders and senior pastor and leaders that truly are amazing and, and would love to walk you through some of those wounds so we can walk in new levels of freedom. Amen. That was not in my notes. That was not a part of my message, but uh, Holy Spirit, come. Yeah. So let's look at Matthew chapter 4, verse 18 through 22. Everybody okay? All right, this is an example. This is, okay, so what does surrender look like? On an elementary level, on an elementary level, and the first step of surrender is us getting born again, right? So let, let's go back to that stage and season of our life. You know, that's us stopping living the way that we know it, a life of sin and running wild, and surrendering dying to that life so that we can be resurrected into new life. Now, I can look back 15 years ago when I was living a wild life and getting closer as I was stepping into the kingdom life. You know, I was scared to surrender. I said, man, how boring is this going to be? What are we going to do? All my friends in church, they go to sleep at 9 o'clock. I'm used to partying until 4, 5, 6 in the morning. How boring is life going to be? How much am I going to miss out on? Life experience. Now, looking back 15 years later, that is laughable. We didn't miss anything. Surrendering my life to the Lord was the best decision I made. Got a beautiful wife, beautiful family. I know my identity as a son. I'm walking in victory. I'm not hurting people, hurting myself. Yeah. So that's a very elementary level of knowing and understanding that our surrendered life is really stepping into a life of victory. Even when we don't know what the other side looks like. Right? When I got saved, I had no idea what God was going to do or ask me to do. I'd been on a plane once or twice before I got saved. I've been to Africa dozens of times. Spent months living overseas. Seen a lot of wild things. More wild than the things I saw on the dark side. <laughs> it's actually a really fun life. But when we're not surrendered, we're blind to see what he really has. Okay, so remember, this is just the entry level. This is the elementary level. So let's look at Matthew 4, verses 18 through 22. And Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brothers, Simon, called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea. For they were fishermen. Then he said to them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. They immediately, immediately surrendered. They immediately left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat 
with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets. He called them, and immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. You know, when we read this story, we think, well, yeah, I mean, come on. If Jesus walked up to me, I'd follow him too. This is a guy, you know, I don't know exactly what he was wearing, but he, 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 he didn't look like your professional preacher. He didn't look like a businessman. He didn't look like he had it all going on. So what are we doing? Who is this guy? What are we following him? But they surrendered. They surrendered. To surrender is not to quit and give up. To surrender is to stop doing things in your own strength, wisdom, and knowledge, and turn over to full reliance and trust and faith in God's power to work on your behalf. You see, and I think that's the shift. I think that's the mind renewal that we need. Because when we think of the word surrender, just like me, as I was even preparing this message, when I think surrender, I think the white flag, the giving up, the quitting, the laying down, like Candace had said, you know, the laying down. But that's not what it is. Not in the kingdom. So for me, surrender you know, can be challenging in times past. A life verse for me is Matthew 11, verse 12. And from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and the violent take it by force. That, that, is, that is how I live. If God said it, I'm on it. I've been accused of, of having tunnel vision. And I thought about it, and I said, yeah, you're right. When God, when God says something, I am locked in like a laser and I'm not letting off. I'm like a pit bull with his jaws clenched. I'm going after it. But in this season that I'm in right now, as some of you may know, my wife and I are in the process of opening a school. And, you know, we have lots of opportunities to rely on and trust in God on new levels especially when we're dealing with city and state officials and permits and red tape. And I feel like a seal with a ball on my nose at SeaWorld, trying to jump through all the hoops and do all the right things so I can get the check in the box to make them happy that has big price tags on them. And we bless the city. I really do. A lot of what they want to do is, is make sure that things are safe. Some of the things are just a little extreme. Extremely extreme. Anyway, so this is a life verse. The kingdom suffers violence, the violent take it by force. And I go after things. I'm usually slow to approach it, discerning and listening to make sure that I've heard correctly and it's something I'm, I'm called to go after. But when I know it's God, I sink my teeth into it like a pit bull. I lock my jaw and I get what I'm going after. I don't relent. But like I said, in this season, I've learned new levels of surrender. And it's really, really good. I mean, that's obviously how this message was birthed. The Lord had really been speaking to me, and I'd been talking to people in the, in the foyer before church in previous weeks, and how are you doing? How are you doing? I'm learning new levels of surrender. And it's been really, really, really good. It really has been. I sleep at night. I'm not worried. I'm not trying to figure out how to make things happen. So we know when we surrendered our life of sin and death, we were made fully alive as sons of God. 
Now, while getting born again, so to speak, was the entry level of surrender, that was the bottom floor. And if we're going to continue growing and walking with the Lord, there are always going to be new levels of surrender. When we get married, there's a new level of surrender. When we have children, there's new levels of surrender. When you have four children and you wonder if there's anything else in life to surrender, there's still more. <laughs> so let's look at Proverbs 3, verse 5 and 6. And worship team, you can probably come on up. Proverbs 3, 5 and 6, tr- five and six Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he shall direct your paths, right? This is a very popular verse. But what does that mean? Surrender. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he shall direct your paths. So here's my example. Primary way this whole level of surrender happened is Like I mentioned, we're opening a school. We were waiting seven weeks to get a fence permit. There's four acres plus here. We asked to put a chain link fence on the property. It took seven weeks to get a no. Seven weeks to get a denial. The same day I get an email. Now, I've been going after this. This has been on our vision list since 2015. And my wife and I have been going after this for the last two or three years. The Lord spoke to us in 2020 and said, open the school. I took a year of, you know, COVID, having kids at home and my wife teaching virtually and trying to navigate all this stuff with no officials in the offices to talk to and trying to navigate state and government websites. Um, So it took a little bit of time. But about two years ago, I had a city official come out and um, basically got a neat, told her what we wanted to do, got an email, basically that we did not need to put sinks in the classroom. Save a long story short. We did not need to put sinks in the classroom as long as I had enough staff. I said, we'll have enough staff. So then we move forward with all these permits. I get the denial on the chain link fence. Then that same day or the next day, I get an email that, after I submitted for my certificate of occupancy, that we need to put sinks in the classrooms. A year and a half of spinning in circles. My parents were going to land in a few hours. They're going to spend five days with us. And my heart sunk. I've got four kids. My wife quit her job at the end of June. Um, We've been going after this school. We're planning on our target date was August 6th to open. (laughs) and now we got a denial after seven weeks of a chain link fence, can't get a certificate of occupancy. We need to put sinks in these classrooms. I mean, it it seemed like everything that I'd been working, that we had been working on just imploded right before us. And I looked at all of that and I said, well, this is the will of God. This is what God has asked us to do. So I closed my laptop, packed up my backpack, said, I'm taking the next five days off parents are coming in town I can try to push and they sent you know all these things that we need to do and how to become compl- I didn't even read it I said I'm taking the next five days off shut everything down 
said, Lord, this is your heart. This is your will. I'm taking five days off to rest and spend time with my family. I ask that you go to work on my behalf, that you start putting things in order, that you start working on plumbers and all these things that we need to do so that when I open this stuff up come Tuesday, it'll be a smooth flow. I didn't even think about it again. Shut it all down. All day Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, I opened it up. Now, that may not seem like a big deal, but we have been working 15 to 18 hour days, five, six-ish, seven days a week on this thing. So to take five days and shut it all down uh, was really a big step, you know, and, and in the midst of this, this is not a message on it, but I'm always reminded of Paula and, and how Friday night she celebrates Shabbat. You know, and I've been stepping into that as well as, a, as an act and a sign of surrender that no, Friday night, four o'clock, five o'clock, I shut it all down and I need to focus on my family. And we have fun Fridays. It looks different every Friday, but we have fun Fridays. And that's what we do because why? I'm going to surrender and trust that while I rest, God is going to work on my behalf and he's going to put things in order. So when I open those things on Monday, I'm rested, I've got fresh eyes, fresh vision, and things are already moving and, and it's happened. We've seen it. We've seen things, even though we've had unforeseens, some big unforeseens, we still ended our plumbing. We had a, finally got the sinks. Guys, we got sinks back there. There's three sinks back there. We just got our final inspection Thursday. We, we had an unforeseen that was a big hump and a lot of money, but we still ended and got final a day before our targeted goal. And I didn't labor and work in my own strength. I surrendered. I surrendered. So I can go on. What I want to do, since we surrendered, I can walk lighter. I've been empowered to make hard decisions, expensive decisions. And he has given me wisdom that I know what to do at the moment. And I'm learning things I never imagined. It doesn't mean I get lazy. We're still working 15 plus hour days most days. But when things don't work out or an unexpected pops up, I'm not full of anxiety or worry. And that's part of what I've seen just over the last couple days that Pastor John has imparted to me by working with him on these projects around the church. One of Pastor John's lines that stuck with me is nothing Everything can be fixed. See, there's a, th and I say, well, yeah, you're a body man. I mean, to me, a dent on my car is a big deal. To him, nah, you fix that real quick. No big deal, you know? But one thing I've learned is anything can be fixed. So the other day, we've been working out in the sun, 12-hour days. We built, had a friend help me and weld some gates together. I already took my measurements. I got everything ready. I go to dig my hole after the gates are already fabricated and I got four pipes cross-haired right where my post needs to be. When times passed, that would have threw me off. Ruined my week. What do I do now? And I just heard Pastor John, there's nothing that can't be fixed. I said, okay, I got two options. I can refab these gates, take another day, more time, more money, or I can just move those pipes. Pipes got to get moved. You're in my way. Get out in Jesus' name. <laughs> 
I've never done any of that stuff. I don't know how to, no. But I just watched a few YouTube videos. All it is is, you know, a couple 30 cent parts at the hardware store and some glue and you're good to go. So those pipes are now rerouted. So every area of your life that you surrender, he raises up in victory. Every area of your life that you surrender, he raises up in victory. So my question to you today is, is there something in this season that you are using a lot of time and energy arm wrestling to try to make happen? I want to take a moment while he's playing on the keys and I'm going to pray and just ask the Holy Spirit because listen, the culture of this world is hustle and grind and get it done, right? Time is money. Let's get it done. That's not the culture of the kingdom. If we're going to be kingdom people, we need to live a surrendered life and trust that he will raise those things up in victory. Right? Unless the seed falls to the ground and dies. Yeah? So what seed today needs to fall to the ground and die? What do you need to surrender? What is... Uh, what area of your life are you being willful in that needs to surrender to the plan and will of God? And it doesn't mean quit. I'm not saying quit. I'm not saying give up. I'm saying surrender. Lay it down. I've learned through this whole thing that, you know, when I get going and get going and this needs to get done today, today's my deadline for this. The longer I go at it, the more I mess it up. The more I mess it up. There's got to be a point just to stop and say, Lord, I'm done for today. Work what needs to be worked out. I'll start fresh in the morning. What do you need to surrender? Thank you for listening to the Consumed Church weekly podcast. This entire service and others can be viewed on our Facebook and YouTube channels. If you would like to partner with us in raising the next generation of kingdom bringers, you can do so at theconsumedchurch.com slash give.